This is episode 26.3 of Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible, a new, much funnier translation of the entire Hebrew Bible written by me, David Tuckman. I'm coming to you from my living room, slickly edited over some room tone to make it sound like I'm whispering to you before the show. Each month on the podcast, a guest joins me to read as much of the Old Testament as they can while I make fun of it. This time around, I'm joined by Michael Schreiber as we read When He Sent, a.k.a. Beshalach, the fourth portion in the book of Exodus, which I call Names. The next live show will be an open mic featuring your most horrifying holiday stories and be at Beauty Bar in New York City on December 22nd at 7.30 p.m. After that, I'll be recording at the Limud Conference in England sometime between December 27th and January 1st. Enjoy the show. Here's the recap. Previously in the Bible. All the water in the river turned to blood. Festering, pus dripping, bloody boil. Flowering forth <laughs> on man and animals. A gloomy darkness enveloped all of Mitzrayim for three days. Oh man. Hashem struck all of Mitzrayim's firstborns in the middle of the night. In the middle of that day, Hashem took the sons of Israel out of Mitzrayim in their legions. The sons of Israel rose out of Egypt in battle array. I'll strengthen Paro's heart and he'll chase after them. For thousands of years, we've been under the impression the Bible was meant to be taken seriously. Finally, a new translation that'll change all that. This is Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible! Chapter 37, in which the people apparently eat for the first time in months. Exodus 16.1 to 16.30. They left Elim, all the sons of Israel, reached the desert of Sin. The desert of Sin sounds like a great place to write metal songs about. <laughs> That's like a Frank Miller graphic novel. Exactly. That's Midbar Sin. Sin Desert. Right. Midbar Sin. Sin, okay. Which is between Elim and Sinai. <laughs> On the 15th day of the second month after they left Mitzrayim. Sure. The entire congregation of the sons of Israel complained to Moshe and Aaron in the desert. You're going to see this a lot. Jews have a long and treasured history of whining. <laughs> Why can Hashem kill us in Mitzrayim, they said. <laughs> then we sat buying pots of meat and stuffed ourselves with bread. In between back-breaking labor and their children being murdered. Uh, yeah, well, there yeah. you go. A, a good meal is more important than your children. <laughs> exactly. Oy, that's awful. Hashem took us out into the desert to kill us all with famine. Come on, God, you didn't bring food. Can't you see the future? <laughs> I, will I will rain bread on them from the sky, Hashem said to Moshe. Oh, God, a simple buffet would be fine, or a food cart. <laughs> you know, raining bread is going to hurt. <laughs> Especially knowing God, it's probably going to be stale. Oh. Uh, you know, it would be seven grain. It would be healthy. You're right. You're right. Every day the nation will Organic. go out and collect what fell. So I can test them to see who will follow my law and who will Everything's a freaking test with this guy. On the sixth day... Have them make their preparations, collecting double what they usually gather. This evening, Moshe said to Aaron... I'm sorry. Let me start that one over. Go ahead. This evening, Moshe and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, you will know that Hashem removed you from Mitzrayim. I think they know. <laughs> and in the morning, you'll see the glory of Hashem when he responds to your complaints. <laughs> We've moved very quickly from seeing the glory of God through splitting the city and murdering an entire army to answering complaints. Who are we? Why have you complained to us? We have as much food as you do. When Hashem gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, Moshe said, when Hashem hears your complaints to us, who are we? 
You're not complaining to us, you're complaining to Hashem. Okay, we get it, you're not in charge. Speak to the manager doesn't really work when the manager is God. Moshe completely threw God under the bus <laughs> Yes, he there. did. <laughs> also, I still think can we not starve to death is a reasonable complaint. Yeah. <laughs> Tell the entire congregation of the sons of Israel. Of Israel, Moshe said to Aaron, "Come close to Hashem." How? Because he has heard your complaints. I don't know how. Yeah. That's what I've been trying to figure out for 44 <laughs> years. When Aaron said this to all the sons of Israel, they faced the desert and Shazbat. <laughs> they could see the glory of Hashem in the cloud. Nothing more pleasant than lying in a meadow, imagining the, the clouds are different gods. Also, they just saw Hashem. They saw Yehovah, which, okay. Which is why they said Shazbot, Exactly. <laughs> is that a Robin Williams tribute? Yes, it is. That's nice. That's nice. Moment of silence. <laughs> did not just do that. Okay. <laughs> I've heard the sons of Israel's complaints, Hashem said to Moshe. Say to them, you'll eat meat between the eaves and satisfy yourself with bread in the morning. You will know I am Hashem, your Elohim. At evening, quail rose and covered the camp. Again, very painful. Hashem has not learned his lesson from the bread. I think when I did the find and replace, I also pre replaced my comments with Hashem. So Yehovah hadn't learned his lesson from the bread. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. That's my fault. No, 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 it's my fault. Okay. In the morning, a layer of dew surrounded the camp. The layer of dew lifted and wowee! A thin, scaly, frost-like thing was on the ground covering the face of the desert. So the Hebrew for scaly is michaf's face, which is apparently found only once in scripture. The traditional interpretation is that this thin thing, this thin skin was uncovered, or this thin thing was uncovered, but others think it means that the thing, which everyone's about to eat for 40 years, was scaly or scab-like, which I enjoy so much more. Hence was born Jewish cuisine. Exactly. Yeah. The sons of Yisrael saw. It's Mon, each man said to his brother. And only his brother. Because they didn't know what it was. What was it? It was Mon. Okay. <laughs> this is the bread Hashem gave you to eat, Moshe said to them. And this is what Hashem commanded. Everyone should collect based on the number of souls per tent. Take an omer per person. That's how much you should take. Okay. And that's what the sons of Yisrael did. Everyone from the guy who took a lot to the guy who took a little gathered. They measured their omers. The one who took a lot didn't have any extra. And the one who took too little, I'm sorry, the one who took little wasn't lacking. Each collected according to what he ate. It was a socialist miracle. Nobody should keep any leftovers for the morning, Moshe said. Crazy God bread goes bad fast. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the first time like, Jews like, brought tinfoil to a smorgasbord. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, God says, don't do that, guys. Yeah. Don't, yeah, anyway. And they, then, <laughs> and sure then. enough, they didn't listen to Moshe. Of course. People, we need some for later. Yeah. People kept extra until morning. It was infested with maggots and stank. Moshe got mad at them. As you should when someone lets food rot. Every morning, each man gathered what he needed to eat. The sun got hot and it melted. Aye, aye, aye. A bad feature for desert bait foods tours. Yeah. Yeah. They should have used like those dipping dots. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't the future yet. Yeah, that's true. God hadn't figured out the formula yet. Exactly. On the sixth day, they collected double bread. Sure. Each person took two omers. 
All the presidents of the phalanx. Phalanx? Phalanx. Ada, right? Something like that. That's congregate. Anyway, okay. It's a cool word. Like All the it. presidents it's of the phalanx came and told Moshe. This is what Hashem said, Moshe said. Tomorrow will be a holy fucking <laughs> Shabbat for Hashem. <laughs> so... I'm pretty sure that word's not in the Torah. A decision that I made uh, is, while writing this translation is that um, I am a follower of the Cone Brothers, so there's no Shabbos in my Bible. There is fucking Shabbos. Shomer fucking Shomer Shabbos. Shomer fucking Shabbos. All right. I like that. Exactly. There you go. There you go. Rashi, Rambam, and the Cone Brothers. And the Cone Brothers. I'll buy that. Joel and Ethan. Anyway, tomorrow will be a holy fucking Shabbat for our chef. <laughs> bake what you bake, cook what you cook, and put away all the leftovers to keep for the morning. What are they baking? They're eating scabs and quail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, melted. Melted uh, scabs. Gefiltamon. Gefiltamon, thank you. They put it away like Moshe commanded. Or like Hashem commanded. It didn't stink, and it didn't get infested. <laughs> Eat it today, Moshe said, because today is fucking Shabbos to Hashem. <laughs> and you won't find any food in the field. What field? They're in the desert. Every week you'll collect for six days, but on the seventh, the fucking Shabbos, <laughs> there won't be anything. Show her fucking Shabbos. <laughs> on the seventh day, some of the nation went out to collect. They didn't find anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a bunch of assholes. Such assholes. <laughs> We're such argumentative dicks. A long tradition. How long will you refuse to observe my commandments and teachings, Hashem said to Moshe? You see, Hashem has already given you the fucking Shabbos. <laughs> That's why he gave you bread for two days on the sixth day. When God gets pissed, he talks in the third person. Everybody stay where they are. <laughs> Nobody should leave their place on the seventh day. I think this might be the source for uh, Jews not traveling on the fucking Shabbos, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. The nation rested on the seventh day, which exactly. is the source for my taking a nap. Exactly. <laughs> That's chapter 37. We just got a few left. We got a few, we got a few left, and one of them is barely a chapter, as you'll see. Chapter 38, in which a very real artifact that would totally prove this really happened but has somehow never been found, is made. Exodus 1631 <laughs> to 1635. You know, I, I, I prepared for this and I read this with yeah. a, a keener eye than usual, and <laughs> it was pretty astounding. Yes. The house of Israel named the stuff Mon. We know. It was like coriander seed, white, and tasted like honey wafers. Okay. Scaly, melty, melty. quail-like honey, honey wafers with coriander seed. Biosim. Yeah. This is what Hashem commanded, Moshe said. To whom? Take a full omer of it to be preserved for future generations. Okay. That way they'll see the bread I fed you in the desert when I took you out of Mitzrayim. You know, it really is a shame no one ever found this. Take a single pot, Moshe said to Aaron, and put a full omer of mun in it. Put it in front of Hashem to be preserved for future generations. Okay. <laughs> can, can you imagine how bad it tastes? Oh, God. In future if it, generations? If it goes bad after a night. Aaron put it before the multitude for safekeeping. Which is a really bad idea, because multitudes are terrible at safekeeping. <laughs> the sons of Israel ate the mon for 40 years before coming to a settled land. They ate the mon until they reached the borders of Canaan. Spoilers, come on. 
That's like the South Beach diet. Yeah. <laughs> the 40-year, 40 40 40 mon and quail. That's chapter 38. It's got a few more. All right. This is chapter 39, in which we learn how much an omer is. Exodus 16:36. An omer is one tenth of an ephah. That's chapter 39. <laughs> that really cleared things up, didn't it? Yeah, really helped. Now I know when I find that uh, that container of man. <laughs> If it's one-tenth of an eitha, an eitha, then it's the real mod. Yeah, you better hope you get the right measuring exactly, cup, then, not exactly. the metric system. <laughs> you get the eitha. Exactly. Okay. The Israeli system. Chapter 40, in which the nation has a very reasonable request for God that he responds to in a totally irrational way. <laughs> Again, Exodus 17.1 to 17.7. Hashem gave the word, and the entire multitude of the sons of Israel left the desert of sin. They camped in Rifidim, where there was no water for them to drink. <laughs> the nation fought with Moshe. Oh. Give us water so we can drink, they said. Why are you fighting with me, Moshe said. <laughs> no, you have to do it. Why are you fighting with me? <laughs> what are you testing God for? The nation thirsted for water. As people do. They went to Moshe. Why did you raise us out of Mitzrayim to kill me, my son, and my livestock with thirst, they said. They didn't worry about their daughters, I guess. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. What will you do to this nation, Moshe cried out to Hashem. Moshe is really regretting turning toward that burning bush all those years ago. <laughs> A little more, and they'll stone me. Shit. <laughs> Moshe will get stoned in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pass in front of the nation, Hashem said to Moshe, and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Also, the staff with which you hit the spring. Take that in your hand and go. Oh, me, oh, my. I will stand in front of you there by the rock in Choriv. You'll hit the boulder, and water will come out of it, and the nation will drink. Moshe did this in front of the elders of Israel. He named the place Masa Umariva, because the fight the sons of Israel had, and the way they tested Hashem by saying, is Hashem in our midst or not? Okay, so uh, Masa Mariva explaining that. Riv means fight, and Masa shares a root with the word for test. Also, they didn't say, is Yehovah in our midst or not? They said, please don't let us die. But yeah. same thing. It's That's like chapter 40. <laughs> All right. This is chapter 41, the last chapter of the night. So get ready, in which there is a mild suggestion of genocide. Exodus 17, 8. This cannot possibly be right. I will check this up and drop it in after. But this says uh, Exodus 17, 8 to 17, 6. Probably 16. Hi, David here, safe and sound in my living room with the entire internet available to me. I just wanted to correct the record here. Chapter 41 is Exodus 17, 8 to 17, 16. With only 16 verses, Exodus 17 is pretty darn short. Anyway, back to the show. Amalek came to Rephidim and attacked Israel. Amalek, remember them? They're a funky bunch because it's not quite clear who they are. According to Genesis 14, Amalek is mentioned as one of the crews that uh, shows up during the war of the four kings versus the five kings. You remember that? Uh, where, you know, slapstick, king of Sodom falls in a tar pit. It's hilarious. <laughs> According to Genesis 36, though, Amalek is one of Asaph's grandsons. So it can't possibly be the same group because Asaph wasn't born yet during that war. Which is it? Maybe they're different people. Maybe they're the same. Which one is this one? I don't know. 
Sloppy editing. Shh, yeah. <laughs> Choose men for us to attack you, Moshe said to Yoshua. Who's Yoshua? Uh, who plays Yoshua in, uh, God, in Gods and... In Gods and Kings? I have no yeah. idea. Oh. Probably nobody. Okay. <laughs> Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with a staff of Elohim in my Probably hand. Brad Pitt, actually. I would think it'd be like a young up-and-coming actor. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> He's not that young anymore. No. Yoshua did what Moshe told him. Zach Efron. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> there you Good are. call. Good call. So white. So white. He'd be a, he'd be a cool Yoshua. He'd be good Yoshua. Yeah, all the girls would go for him. Exactly. <laughs> Yoshua did what Moshe told him. He fought with Amalek, while Moshe, Aaron, and Hur climbed on top of the hill. Who's Hur? When Moshe raised his hands, Israel prevailed. When he lowered his hands, Amalek was stronger. So this is exactly like what happens if I pace in front of the TV holding a miniature football while watching the Jets. I lost that football about three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you lost that football after Joe Namath. Yeah. <laughs> Moshe's hands grew heavy. <laughs> you know, God just straight up destroyed Mitzrayim. Why is he making Moshe raise his hands? He's 80. Aaron and Hur gave Moshe a stone to sit on. They supported his hands, one on each side. It's a good thing they came with him. Yoshua weakened Amalek and its nation with the sword. So according to Rashi, quoting the Sefer Zichron, it said Yehoshua weakened Amalek, and not that he killed them, to imply that he cut the heads off their strongest fighters, leaving only the weak ones left, which is a very smart military strategy. Kill the leaders. Indeed. Yeah. That's very brutal. Write this as a memory in a book, Hashem told Moshe. Dear diary, today was pretty weird. Or I should do this with the <laughs> my Moses voice. Dear diary, today was pretty weird. I'm not sure if Hashem likes me or like likes me. Also, I think I'm supposed to write something here about some battle I helped us win, but all I can think about is the mixed signals Hashem's taste sending. Boy, are my arms tired. Sometimes he just gets so mad. Anyway, gotta go. The nation's starving to death again or something. Love and hugs, Moshe. I like that it was a memory book. A like, memory it was, book. like it was for a bat mitzvah. Exactly. Or <laughs> May your time in the desert be like a roll of toilet paper, long and useful. <laughs> My grandfather told me that. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Every every single bar mitzvah. I think they told that, that joke at the uh, exactly. at the Last Supper. Also. Since they invented toilet paper, they've been telling that joke. Anyway. Write this as a memory in a book, Hashem told Moshe, and put, in put it in Yoshua's ears. I will definitely wipe out the memory of Amalek from under the sky. So I gotta say, writing something down is not the best way to erase their memory. Moshe built an altar and named it Hashem Nisi. So that means Yehovah is my miracle. Oh, that's sweet. It is sweet. Yeah. Because there is a hand on the sign of Ka. So this is a very controversial phrase. I've translated uh, kas he or kas ya, <laughs> word fucked up my Hebrew. I've translated kas ya as the sign of Yah. Traditionally, it's translated as the throne of God with the caveat that we have no idea what it really means for God to sit on a throne. Kas or case is only ever used here. And the traditional assumption is that it's short for kise, which means seat or throne. Other th others think that this is a transcription error. The real word is nace, which means miracle or sign. This seems a lot more plausible because it's the same root Moshe just used in naming the place. Either way, it's very complicated. 
Yeah. Does that make sense? So nes, uh, the nun, is very similar to the first word of kas. Right. Yeah. I, I always was taught kisei. Kisei. Yeah. Yeah. Which you have a, all of a sudden have a hard time with anthropomorphizing. We just talked about God's I know, I know. <laughs> third hand and nostrils hand. and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> he sneezes. Anyway. 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 Sorry for the de- very nerdy derailment. Hashem has given us a war with Amalek to last for generations. Oh boy. So we're going to end with that. But a war for God, kind of like a holy war. I don't know. That's so great. Anyway, that's chapter 41. That's. <laughs> When he sent And now I feel like I can drink. Raise your glass. So now is a time in the show for our Devar Torah, uh, which literally means the Torah word. Traditionally, a Devar Torah is a speech about the Torah, a sermon. But we're going to try to distill everything we read, because I like to be literal, into a single word. So, Michael, do you have a uh, Devar Torah for this part? One word. One word. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> Figuratively like and literally. <laughs> yes. Uh, both in terms of the uh, organization <laughs> and the editing and what happened. What do you mean by it? Well, I mean, you, this, is, this is so foundational to, to Jewish tradition. You know, this is the whole Passover story and whatnot. Um, so it's, it's like an unbelievable story in a, in a happy kind of childhood way. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But as you use your brain, you say, wow, this is unbelievable. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, which doesn't mean there isn't merit to it, in, at least in my eyes. Um, there's great merit, and you can, you can read all sorts of intellectual sources about the histories of, of, of the Jews and the, and the formation of the Jewish people. Yeah. And this and, plays a central role in it. And, and merely as a piece of entertainment, let's say, there's nothing that's not meritable about a, a crazy story about somebody splitting the sea and then drowning some yeah, people. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. It's, it's pretty good. Cool. They even have a ride, pretty, like I mean, a ride make, board in Universal. We make a movie about it every 10 years. Yeah. We really like yeah, it. So, I still watch the original. I'm a big Charles. I like guy. the Ten Commandments, yeah. too. Yeah. I like that. Um, I'm hoping... Because he does the voice for himself and the voice of God in the bush. And I'm hoping Christian Bale is going to do the same thing. But I did not know we'll that. See. Yeah, and I think in... Um, Rashi says that, right? Rashi Charles says Heston. that, yeah. <laughs> Rashi Charles says Heston is the voice of God. That if you look at IMDb... <laughs> yeah. And I think they did that in The Prince of Egypt, too. That I can't remember who played Moses really? in that. Yeah. Ray Fiennes. No, no, no. Uh, Val Kilmer, maybe? Val Kilmer. So, yeah, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, Kilmer yeah. Right, right. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum was Aaron. <laughs> yeah. So he's the one who had the stutter. Um, yeah. My Torah word was Yehovah. <laughs> Not mine. Let it be. Let it go. And, the and there's a there's a point to that because I think um, you know the last few guests and and it might continue depending on who would book on the show, but. Um, there's been some issue about saying the word Yehovah and the name of God in this book, which um, is just part of the Jewish tradition. Is part of how. Uh, you know, the more observant thing works. Um, I've been intentionally translating this, uh, the word as Jehovah, as the name, because I think it's important to represent what I think the text actually is. Um, Jehovah makes a point as a character over and over again throughout this story that the reason he's doing this is so that everyone knows that he is Jehovah, so that his name is no, known. Even in the, in the Song of the Sea, he's, you know, they sing that everyone's going to know your name, Jehovah. Um, 
throughout the book, you might even argue that the entire point of him orchestrating him or her, but him orchestrating, I guess him, because Jehovah is a him, but him orchestrating uh, all of Yisrael going to Egypt, that whole situation, the uh, deal that he makes with Abraham, uh, the 12, the 12, the 10 plagues, the splitting of the sea is all somewhat egotistical, is all for him to be known among the nations, is all for this deity to be known. So it's funny that it's translated as God most of the time, or the Lord, or Hashem, because I feel like it takes away from what it is. Like, it's a very specific deity that's, that's doing these things. Um, but if we, if we turn it into this uh, overarching, you know, catch-all God that is the, the general deity, I feel like it separates from what the text actually says. Yeah, and I, I actually really do agree with you intellectually. Yeah. I, I, this is one of those weird weird things that I just can't bring myself to do. No, and I totally I, get I, it. It doesn't make any sense, um, but the Tetragrammaton is treated with great reverence, yes. and uh, while I don't have a lot of reverence for a lot of things, <laughs> I, you know, that's so, one of them. So my, the way that I feel and the way that I started thinking about it is that even in the context of it, to me, I feel like it's giving it more reverence if it's actually addressed and pronounced. Like, the point of this is to spread the name Yehovah. So by not saying the name Yehovah, you're not spreading the name Yehovah. Yeah, but that's, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, it's it, kind it, of an I obnoxious guess, argument. You know, I think it gets back to like your conception of God. So if you're like, and the Torah does this, but if you anthropomorphize God, like children yeah. or less intellectual people do, yeah, you'd also give him a name. And, you know, like, I think the whole God concept is a lot bigger than that. Absolutely. So I think you know. so. I think that's the thing. When it's not Yehovah, it gets attached to the God concept in a way that I feel like might be slightly forced. I don't know. Could anyway, be. I want to hear uh, what Divrei Torah our audience has, if they have any Torah words that when they want to share with us, or if they have any responses at all to this, to what God does, to all that complaining that happens. I want to have a conversation with you guys once we're finished the recording. Um, uh, it's like just after nine o'clock now, so I hope the world is still normal. This is going to come out in like in a month, so uh, Darren Wilson is probably going to be old news for you folks, but to me, it's on the top of my mind. Anyway, we're going to have a conversation, so stick around after the show. Um, Michael, is there anything that you want to, or is there? Do you have any final thoughts that you want to share before we shut down? Uh, you know, this this is obviously fun, yeah, and um, funny, yeah. But uh, in, a, in a weird way, I, I, I think it's really important. I think it's, um, it's, it gets back to kind of the, the roots of, of Judaism, which is differing uh, thoughts and opinions and debate and discussion. And um, this whole right-wing shift of, <laughs> of uh, you know, un, unquestioning infallibility of, of rabbis is uh, very, yeah. very anti, antithetical to Jewish history. So I think this and, and other, other uh, interesting Torah projects uh, on the internet and otherwise are, are a great thing and really in the spirit of, uh, of Judaism. So Thank I, you. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's, that's really... Uh, Not really your intention. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you know, it's, I, I kind of agree with you in a way. It wasn't necessarily how I started this out, but I keep going back to the Jews are the nation of Israel. 
and the word Israel means wrestling with God. So I feel like the inheritance of the Jews is to wrestle with this constantly and to argue over it and to fight yep. over it and the concept of God. So to me, if you're not doing that, uh, that's not necessarily Jewish. You're I, not an Israelite. I, I don't know that I'd go that far, but, yeah. I, but I, I, I applaud what but, you're doing. But the name, you're a bad Jew. Says, uh, I think, says uh, I think Judaism is, is, it's very important to me. Yes. I think Judaism is too important to leave in the hands of rabbis. Yeah. And uh, I think this is, uh, uh, while a little bit silly at times <laughs> um, and a little irreverent, I, I think if you, uh, if you have an open mind, it, it could be very enlightening. I love it. Thank you so much. Do you have anything that you want to plug to our listeners and our audience? Uh, I'm, I'm finishing uh, my book, Stump the Apicores. Okay, what is that? Stump the Apicores uh, intercepts questions. What's an Apicores? An Apicores is a, uh, a heathen, mm. right? Like yeah. all of us. And an, an otherwise educated Jew who then, <laughs> who then uh, denies certain things. Anybody who questions the specific... Uh, the so what I do non-Israelites. is... Non-Israelites. Yeah, uh, I, I intercept questions from... Uh, right-wing yeshiva students who send to their Rebbe yeah. questions. Uh, I intercept them and I answer them for them. And it's hilarious. I've read a lot of it and it's Thank really you. funny. Thank you. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, these are questions about minutia that completely miss the point. <laughs> Which is this podcast? The entire point of Judaism <laughs> is us in this room right now and that pizza. There you go. Um, it, you know, it's a fun little project. Um, I also, a little plug, for a great organization uh, called Footsteps. Yeah. Footstepsorg.org. Um, great, great opportunity to help uh, provide education and social support for uh, people who have otherwise been denied yeah. a proper education. It's a very, very good organization. A lot of fans that it enter this room, and I'm a bit, I, I wholly support them. Um, you can find the podcast at always, as always on, at facebook.com slash omgbible, on Twitter at omgwtfbible. We have a Tumblr, the website omgwtfbible.com. Uh, please listen on Stitcher, iTunes, any podcast app, I hope. I don't know what the hell's going on. Spotify eventually, supposedly. Uh, please share it with everybody, especially your rabbis, especially... <laughs> don't share this episode, yeah. please. S share it. <laughs> don't, don't share it with uh, Michael's family or my family. Um, <laughs> As many rabbis as you can, especially the crazier ones, please rate and review it on iTunes because it really helps. I've been getting a lot of really complimentary things in the survey, um, which are awesome, but if you could put the exact same thing in a review on iTunes, it would be amazing because it actually helps raise the uh, profile of the podcast, which is really cool. I, I want to thank our audio engineer, John Passaro. Come on, you can do better than that. Give it up for John. Uh, Wendy Chin for making all our marketing materials. Beauty Bar for hosting us. Uh, Michael Schreiber, our guest. You for listening and for coming out here. Give it up for yourselves, guys. You've been awesome tonight. You've been a really great audience. Please join me at Beauty Bar on December 22nd and share your Hanukkah horrors. Uh, I'm going to be at Lily Mood Conference in Warwick, England with Who Knows at Who Knows on which date, I don't know. January 26th with some other mystery person. But please be sure to listen next time because next time in the Bible. Commandments. Woo!